Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of Sports Headline. Um, once again, I am bringing you SH News 30, um, and we are going to talk a lot about the NFL, specifically the NFC East today, as well as the Dodgers winning game one of World Series last night, 8-3. to Clayton Kershaw with a good uh, start. He went six innings, only gave up one earned run, and... Um, we will be talking about that series and the players to watch um, for game two, which is tonight uh, at 8.08 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, first, big shout out to Podco. Uh, the easiest way the easiest way to um, sponsor your podcast, you get a flat rate for each uh, advertisement you put in into uh, Podco. And you get money. You can get it straight to a PayPal or a bank account. Um, be sure you enter sports headlines as the uh, reason, or uh, as to as to how you heard about Podco in in that box on your application. And uh, best of luck to you to get approved. Also, big shout out to Crossover Media at Crossover Three Sixty Five for powering this episode as well as all episodes in the future. Um, so let's let's start off. Here with um, some some football talk, we've got um, big news. I announced it yesterday. Um, it broke yesterday. Tua Tagovailoa is now starting the fifth overall pick in the draft, drafted by the Miami Dolphins. Um, are it is going to be starting this week? But wait, the Dolphins don't have a game, do they? You're right. The Dolphins are on a bye week, so um, essentially. What I believe is going down here is is we're get, we're naming two of the starter. He's going to get ninety percent, if not all, of the first round reps in practice this week, in the optional practices, and in next week practices. Um, and we are basically going to. He's been you know he's been impressing us in practice. He got a little bit of game action um, against the Jets. Now we're going to see, you know, how he handles the spotlight, how he handles this starting job and this leadership role. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick sa- uh, said he's going to continue to mentor uh, Tua. And I think this is the Dolphins basically saying, listen, we know what we're going to get from Fitzpatrick. We're going to be, we, he can be a franchise quarterback. He can be a, an elite quarterback at some times during the season. And then he can be uh, somebody who shouldn't even be on an NFL roster at other times. And so what we're going to do is we're going to throw our dice all in on our number five overall pick. And we are going to uh, give him the reins to this offense in this organization and see how he does. Now, the big thing is they have waited six weeks to to see where the season's going. It takes time for your offensive line, especially without a preseason, for your offensive line to get cohesive. And, and then the pass rush starts to slow down because the offensive line is communicating and playing well uh, together. Uh, your receivers are feeling more comfortable in the offense. The running game, you can you get to see how much you can rely on that to see if Tua is either going to hand the ball off 30 times a game or is going to throw the ball 30 times a game. Um, you you get to see you know how good your defense is, what your record is after six games. Right now they're three and three. They're in the thick of the playoff race, and um, they are right there with with teams like. The Browns or the Chargers, the Raiders, um, they're right there with all those teams that are low, fighting for that number seven really wild card spot, if not the number six spot. Um, 
right now, you know, of course you have the Chiefs favored in the West. You've got the Ravens or the Steelers in the North. The other team is definitely going to get a wild card team, uh, a wild card spot. Um, you've got the Browns competing for that uh, second wild card spot. We've seen three teams come out of the North in recent memory uh, with the Bengals, the Ravens, and the Steelers. Let's see if the Browns can make that happen as well. Um, and then, of course, in the South, you've got the Titans and probably not the Colts, but who knows? Uh, maybe Phil Rivers is going to get his stuff together. And then in the uh, A- or the AFC East, um, you, you've got the Bills and the Patriots as really the two front runners, but then the Dolphins sitting at three and three, very much in the thick of the race. So the AFC by no means is settled, and we're going to see after this bye week if two is going to be able to kind of rally the Dolphins and take that number six, number seven wild card spot. Um, right now, I'm I'm banking on the the Chiefs getting the one spot, um, probably the the Titans or the Ravens getting the two spot, um, the other other team obviously getting the three spot, and then the Bills with the four spot, which leaves the Steelers and the Patriots. Uh, with uh, the the five and six wild card spots, and then the seventh spot is wide open for the Browns, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Colts, the the Dolphins, and maybe even the Texans. Although that's very, very, very unlikely, um, provided they're their own for own five start. Um, the Washington Football Team is now saying that it is not unlikely for them to keep their name. Um, and remain the Washington football team throughout this season and into next season, um, the 2021 season, we are likely going to see another Washington football team instead of a team with a name and an identity. Um, boy, oh boy, uh, Ron Rivera really took a challenge in trying to rebuild that franchise as well as fighting cancer. That is a strong man uh, leading that. And let's say with the NFC East here, we saw the Cowboys get absolutely smacked in the face by the Cardinals last um, Monday night. And I'm going to basically break down who I think is going to finish with the number one spot in the NFC East and therefore get a home playoff game because that's how the NFL, um, that's how the NFL works. And here's, here's right now the Cowboys are two and four. Um, the Eagles are 1-4-1. One, and one. They just lost to the Ravens, although that was a close game. The Giants are only half a game back behind them at 1-5, and five, and the Washington football team is 1-5 and five as well. Um, the Cowboys still have to play Washington, then Philadelphia, then Pittsburgh, then Minnesota, then Washington again, then Baltimore, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Philly, and the Giants in Week 17. I would not be surprised if the Cowboys only beat Washington twice and and maybe eat the Bengals or the Giants. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them get four to five wins. Um, I think the, the most they can max out is beating Washington twice, um, beating the Giants, beating the Bengals, and, and probably winning their home game against Philadelphia. But I don't see any way that they beat Pittsburgh. I don't see any way that they sweep Philadelphia. I don't see any way that they beat San Francisco or Baltimore. And it's it's honestly, quite frankly, unlikely that they beat Minnesota as well because I have faith in Mike Zimmer and in that defense to kind of get, get their stuff together. Um, they've been missing Daniel Hunter very, very much so. They are also on bye this week. 
Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if if the Cowboys won this division uh, with seven wins. I also wouldn't be surprised if they only won four wins and got a top seven or eight uh, draft selection. Now the Eagles sitting at one, four, and one, they got to play the Giants and the Cowboys and the Giants again. Honestly, that's a home game against the, the against the Cowboys. They could easily run off three wins in a row and be three, four, and one and be on top of the division uh, by the time we hit week 10 going into week 11. But then they have a very, very tough stretch. They have Cleveland, Seattle, Green Bay, New Orleans, and then Arizona, Dallas, and Washington to end off the season. They are at Cleveland, at home against Seattle, uh, at Green Bay, and then at home against the Saints. Um, we'll have some Saints news coming up later in this broadcast as well. But I, I can see them being 3-4-1 and one going into Cleveland, but the way that their line is playing, unless they get their defensive line together and their line play together and, and can their receivers can get open, then I, I don't find any way that they beat Cleveland just because Cleveland um, is going to be able to run the ball down their throats. And then on the defensive side, Miles Garrett is going to be able to kind of terrorize Carson Wentz. We see what happens to him uh, when he has a pass brush in his face, and it's not good things. He gets off platform. He His mechanics break down, and he starts to sail balls over the middle right into hands of safeties galore, um, causing turnovers for his team. Um, Seattle, I don't see any possible way they beat Seattle, barring a Russell Wilson injury. Um, they're not going to beat Green Bay. I don't think they're going to beat New Orleans as well especially with Michael Thomas coming back from an ankle slash team protocol uh, break, getting into a fight at practice actually with the corner. Um, then they have to play Arizona in Arizona. We just saw what Arizona did to the Cowboys. Now, I think the Eagles are, a, I can't believe I'm saying this, but a better coach team, um, even though Doug Peterson, I don't think is, is that great of a head coach. Um, and then, Roster-wise, the Cowboys have one of the better rosters in football, but the Eagles have a clear-cut, better quarterback now. Um, they they have a better tight end, I guess you could say, with um, Zach Ertz, but the receiving core obviously goes to Dallas. The defense, you've got to go to Philadelphia just because Dallas is historically bad. I think Philadelphia could fight in that Arizona game, although I think it's unlikely they win. Um and then they go to Dallas. Are they going to sweep Dallas? Maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll see how the Cowboys are looking. I just said uh, earlier that the Cowboys could win that game. I think they're going to split the series. I'm going to stay with that. I think the Eagles are going to win their home game but lose their road game in Dallas. And then they're going to finish the, se uh, the season off with a win against Washington, um, making their record be a good <laughs> six, six, nine, and one. Um, which, according to myself and my predictions, would give them uh, would would give them first place if I think Dallas is going to win five to six games all season. Um, the Giants, they're one and five. They got to play Philly, then they got to play Tampa, then they have a nice the uh, uh, a calmer game against Washington. Although that's not a gimme game by far. Then they play Philly again, then they play Cincinnati, Seattle, Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore, and end the season with Dallas. Oh boy, they have a tough schedule. I wouldn't be surprised if they only won one of those games, and that's against Washington. Um, they could easily go 
two and fourteen and end up with Trevor Lawrence right in their palm because the Jets are probably going to butt fumble this up and somehow win three games. Um, but you know, they Dallas. It would be the most Cowboys thing to do to blow a game against the Giants, giving them a three and thirteen record. But I, I honestly don't think they're going to beat the Bengals. There's no way they beat Seattle, Cleveland, Baltimore, um, or Tampa. It's very, very unlikely they beat Philadelphia. If they do, it's it'll probably be the Week 10 home game. Um, but that is that is very unlikely in its own right. I think easily 2-14, and 3-13 and 13 for this team. They're well out of playoff contention. Um, and then the Washington football team. They played Dallas, then they played the Giants. They played Detroit, Cincinnati, Dallas again, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Seattle, Carolina. And then they are at Philadelphia to end the season. <laughs> Boy. Um, I think they can beat the Giants. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to beat the Cowboys. Although, again, that would be one of the most Cowboy things to do is to lose to Washington. Um I don't think they're they're good enough to beat Detroit. Uh, Detroit's offense, I think, is going to be too much to handle. Um, I don't think they beat Cincinnati either, uh, barring Joe Burrow either getting sat down because the offensive line is so bad or getting injured because the offensive line is so bad. I don't see them beating Pittsburgh, San Francisco, or Seattle, uh, or even Carolina. And then Philadelphia is, is unlikely as well. They could very easily win just one of their next um, one of their next 10 games and end up at two and 14 or three and 13. I, I don't think they're going to do anything whatsoever. So I think the Eagles are actually going to win this division um, with a grand total of six wins. Um, the Cowboys coming in probably in the five, five to six win range, but Hey, maybe that tie against the Bengals worked out after all. And Doug Peterson is just a secret genius, but um, Oh man, this division is a mess. I think the NFL needs to rethink, you know, maybe you, you give the division winner a playoff berth, but maybe not a, maybe the home games are decided based on record. Um, Cause really you, you'd hate to see, you know, um, a division like, like the NFC South where you have the saints the Buc- and, the, and the Buccaneers both getting 10 wins or so, maybe even the bears get 10 wins with the Packers. Um, and then especially the West with, you know, Seattle, San Francisco, um, even Arizona and, and Los Angeles, all possibly being over 500. Those teams are definitely better. I mean, we just saw Arizona, probably the worst team in that division still, um, just because of the, the youth and the inexperience and, and kind of the holes at certain spots that, that they have on their roster. We just saw them stomp all over the Cowboys. So there's no way that the Cowboys or the Eagles should get a home playoff game against one of these teams that earned it more in the regular season and and just and and really should be favored. Um but but the whole the whole the NFC East is just a mess. Um let's let's stay with one last NFL topic. I said we have some news about the Saints. The Saints have been cleared to the Saints have been cleared to have fans in the Superdome. That is that is huge. I mean, we saw we saw when they played Green Bay. They obviously lost to the Packers. The Packers were probably pretty much the hottest team in the whole NFL for the first four weeks going into their week five bye. And the Saints, 
I mean, we, we saw on one play in particular, Demario Davis jumps on the hard count. Rodgers has a free play, throws it up to Lazard. That was hurt. And then there was a P.I. call because the, the corner was grabbing all over him. Packers got the ball on the one, punched in for a touchdown. And that's seven, that's seven more points. That's a whole 75 yards that the Saints offense is now going to have to drive down and score. But then the defense is going to have to get another stop. And it's going to be huge because quarterbacks aren't going to be able to utilize that hard count. And when it comes playoff time, the most experienced and the best quarterbacks are going to be in the playoffs. And generally, it's the best, most experienced quarterbacks that have the best hard count. Um, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson in the AFC. Patrick Mahomes has a really, really underrated hard count. And, you know, it seems easy to to kind of to kind of get like, oh, come on. It's just yelling hut, hut or go a bunch of times to the line of scrimmage. But it's not that simple. It takes great chemistry with the team, it takes everybody knowing what they're doing, because even if one person jumps off sides or if you know, the center messes up the, the call, that's either a snap when the quarterback's not ready and a fumble, either a turnover or a loss of about 10, 15 yards or everybody else goes and the center doesn't snap the ball and it's a false start on everybody but the center. And so it takes a really, really cohesive team and, and, a, and a team that knows each other's strengths and weaknesses to be able to master that hard count. And those are the teams that the Saints are going to see in the playoffs and, and the Superdome is going to be able to neutralize that to some extent. I know it's not going to be packed to the brim, um, but it is definitely going to be something that opposing quarterbacks and offenses have to deal with. Um, going to going to a silent count or or just not being able to use the hard count. It's going to be a game changer for the Saints and the defense, especially. All right. Let's move on to the Dodgers beating the Rays eight to three in game one. Clayton Kershaw, as I said, six innings gave only gave up only one earned run. And I think Kershaw and Steph Curry are very, very similar players. They're both arguably had the, the greatest regular seasons um, in their in respective positions of all times, if not one of the greatest. Curry, a unanimous MVP. Kershaw, one of the only pitchers to win MVP and the Cy Young Award in the same season. And they both routinely do not come up big and playoff games but they both are also getting better at that uh Steph Curry is not necessarily missing the big shots although he still has a tendency to miss some of those shots but at the same time he's definitely getting better at it and getting more consistent in the big moments in the playoffs um and and we saw that last night with Kershaw six innings only gave up one earned run the Dodgers end up winning that game eight to three uh, we saw what a difference Mookie Betts brings uh, with more of that dynamic base running um, kind of style. Cody Bellinger, he's got speed. He's not a big, big base stealer. Um, Jock Peterson, another outfielder, not really a base stealer. Um, you see, you know, Kike Hernandez, not the biggest base stealer. Chris Taylor, Jonathan Turner, um, Max Muncy, the, the list goes on and on. They're not a big base stealing team. And, and I think Mookie Betts has really turned that around. Um, his confidence on the base paths, his getting that extra 90 feet closer to scoring or scoring that run we saw. And he had two stolen bases last night. 
Um, the infield was in. Max Muncy hit a little rollover, chopper to first base, and a great secondary lead. He broke right on contact and scored the run, giving the Dodgers a two-run lead, I believe making it five to three at that point. And and that's a, that's a big difference maker because that really that relieves the pressure on the pitching staff. If they give up a solo homer, they still have the lead. It's okay. Um, they can pitch in the zone more. They can be more confident. It gives relief to the batters behind you in the lineup saying, hey, listen, we're up two. This isn't the biggest at bat. You know, I can just stay relaxed, stay calm, put good wood on the ball and drive the ball somewhere into the outfield for a hit. I don't have to necessarily – you know, hit it right here at this spot or hit a home run um, because we're up by two and, and there's still a runner on. And instead of there being two outs, now there's only one out. Or instead of there being one out, there's only there's no outs. Um, and, and I think that's that's a huge difference maker. And he also hit a home run. The first Dodgers playoff home run, the first pitch um, from from the Rays reliever. Uh, forget his last name. But he threw he threw a fastball in the outside corner. Not a bad pitch. He did leave it up in the zone, though. And Mookie Betts just drove it the other way into right field uh, with a really, really good piece of hitting um, for the home run. So Mookie Betts, two for four, home run and two stolen bases, played a really big role. I'd say he's the MVP of game one, even over Clayton Kershaw. Uh, Cody Bellinger went one for four, but his one hit was a two-run shot. Another homer for him. He's starting to kind of pick up the pace. And, and if they've got Betts and Bellinger clicking and hitting balls out of the yard and wrecking havoc on the base paths, it's going to be a long, hard series for the Rays. And the Dodgers, quite frankly, are going to win it if this continues. Mookie, or, uh, sorry, Max Muncy also got an RBI on the, on the um, little tapper to first that Mookie scored on. I mentioned another thing, boost the teammates' stat. Teammates always love having good stats. And um, you're just building chemistry in that locker room. But he went two for four, had two RBIs hitting in the four hole. Um, so really, really nice game put together by the Dodgers. The Rays are going to have to rebound. They've got Blake Snell pitching tonight in game two. Again, the start time is 8.08 um, Eastern time. And for the Rays, we've got Goslin uh, pitching. So the Rays probably going to go with a more of a bullpen. You know, you go one time through the lineup, then you go one time through the lineup, then you go and uh, so on and so forth. They did that a couple times in the playoffs and, and in the regular season, and it worked out. I believe they won each of those playoff games where they went uh, kind of with a, a committee game, uh, pitching one time through the lineup for everybody. So um, I still really, really want the Rays to win. If the Dodgers get up 2-0 in the series, um, especially with Kershaw, we, you never know what's going to happen with Clayton Kershaw. Is he going to be uh, the Cy Young ace, clear-cut best pitcher in baseball, or is he going to be like a 4-5 starter, giving up home runs and big moments um, and, and just letting base runners get on base and make good contact against them? So the, the fact that he won game one, is such a big, big uh, victory for the Dodgers because now they have Walker Bueller, who didn't have to rush up and start game one. He got to have rest. Now they have a lead. So instead of maybe going down uh, 1-0 and having a lot of pressure and, and potentially the Rays going up 2-0, now the best the Rays can do is tie the series up 1-1 with Walker Bueller still yet to pitch in the series, which is a big thing. You don't want the Rays hitters to get too familiar with his stuff albeit his electric, electric stuff. Um, that is it for me, though. Thank you for watching this episode of Sports Headlines. Um, 
stay tuned for game two tonight. I'm coming back to you tomorrow um, about 11.15 to 11.45, um, plus or minus a few minutes in there. Thank you all for watching this episode, though, of, of Sports Headlines. Big thanks to podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot co, C-O, and uh, Crossover Media at Crossover365 on Twitter and Instagram. Um, be sure to follow us, Sports Headline 8 on Twitter, Sports underscore Headlines 4 on Instagram. This is Warren Sanker signing off.